Before my podcast, I wanted to just share something. I started the new podcast, God, Trump, and the 2020 election, in January, and I already have more than half a million downloads. I decided that anything having to do with my book by the same title, or the other books I've published, or really anything having to do with what's going on in our country, I would put that here. And then the things that are more having to do with the charismatic movement or things that I have traditionally done on the Strang Report would be on that podcast as well. I hope that you check it out on the Charisma Podcast Network. But while this podcast is not precisely about the 2020 election, although we did touch on it, I just wanted to make clear what I'm doing. And then at the end of the podcast, I share more information on how you can get these very important books that I have spent a whole lot of time working on because I think the issues having to do with the selection are so important, and I believe it's important for those of us with the Christian worldview to speak up and try to explain what God is doing. And now here's my podcast. This is Stephen Strang, and welcome to my podcast. Today I'm going to have a conversation with the Honorable Sam Rohr, who I've known a while, and uh, I'll explain all about him in just a minute, but we're going to talk about what's going on in our nation. And we're recording this in June of 2020, but I know that podcasts are online, you know, basically forever. In fact, uh, last week was the fifth anniversary of the Charisma Podcast Network, and we went back and looked at our very first podcast, which had 307 downloads, including 18 last month. So it must have been really small when we started. My podcast this year so far, over two and a half million, believe it or not. And it's because I have interesting guests like I do today. In fact, he's interviewed me for some of my books, and he did a podcast with Dr. Steve Green. And Dr. Green came to me and said, you've got to get him on your podcast again. So here we are, and I'll start by saying welcome to you. And also tell the listeners that you are the president of the American Pastors Network, and the Pennsylvania Pastors Network. You are a former elected official, and maybe we can talk a little bit about this and how you see that in light of Scripture and what you see is the current state of the church. So welcome to you, and let's start with what's going on in our country right now with, first of all, the shutdown with COVID-19, the impeachment right before that, and now the protests, which have turned into riots by anarchists and looting and everything else, and an election coming up. What do you see about this from a spiritual point of view, especially from the very unique vantage point that you have as both a former public official and as a minister of the gospel? Well, Stephen, we could talk a long time on that, but if I could summarize in as uh, brief uh, a time as I can, I would say that as a nation, we are beginning to pick the fruit of seeds planted a long time ago. That's the way God works. We're reaping and sowing. We are now reaping as a nation, I believe, what we have sown for a generation. And what have we sown? I think in reality what we've shown is that we've turned our backs as a nation on the God of heaven who have given us what all that we have. Number one, we have officially, as institutions of government, 
we have officially, by act of the Supreme Court, if nothing else, we've redefined marriage as God defined it. We have legalized and called the killing of the unborn, which God says to be murder, to be legal and a rightful choice. We have said no to God by taking down the Ten Commandments, God's moral law, from the classroom walls of our public schools and have said by Supreme Court action that we don't want our children to look at those ten rules lest they venerate them, which is what the judge said, because if they venerate them and do them, they said this we cannot allow. Well, all right. We are now have a generation who don't follow nor care about honoring their parents, about respecting of life, or not coveting the possession of their neighbors. So in one hand, Stephen, I believe that as God has told every nation in the past, told Israel in Deuteronomy, I'm going to give you a new land. We had that in this new land of ours. And he said, if you follow my commands and my statutes and you fear me and you do what I said, I will bless you with prosperity. I will bless you with children. I will give you sufficient food. Rain will come at the right time. I will keep you from the enemy. I will make you secure even from your enemy. And I find it remarkable that in just the matter of a couple of months now into 2020, that in a very short period of time, the, the new gods of America, not in God we trust, but the gods in which we really trusted, entertainment, sports, bank accounts, security from an enemy within our own shores, they've all disappeared, haven't they? And I think that is God's attention, God's judgment on a nation, but even within that, God extends mercy. And I think that as a nation, we are at a flashpoint. Clearly, we're seeing it. We're at a point of decision. We have been at a point of decision. But how do we respond to these things which come and are coming to us as a nation and, yea, the whole world? How do we respond to them? Do we interpret them as accidental? Do we determine that they are just one of those things that occurs? Or are they occurring because God said they would occur? And then what do we do about them? Do we look to government for more help? Do we look to our own selves for more help? Or do we get on our knees before the God of heaven and say, we need your help? So that would be a quick way for me summarizing, I think, where we have gone, where we are, point of decision, and the real question is whether we as a nation, and even as those who call themselves God's people, Christians, whether or not we are actually seeing and witnessing within our own hearts and minds right now our choice. Is it a choice for God? Is it a choice for obedience to his word? Or is it more of the same, or is it even worse, looking to some other God at this moment when those gods that have been developed here have been knocked on their face. We're at a critical time, and I think that's what makes this uh, time we are right now so powerfully important as to what the next steps may be in the weeks and the months ahead. I think that's very well said, and, you know, there's always been ungodliness. That's why there was a first great awakening. There was a second great awakening later. You know, we don't really have time to go in into all that. And one of the reasons why America is more religious and more Christian 
than Europe is because we had this history of revival movements. You know, part of the reason the South has as many churches as a result of all the revival meetings that took place in the 1800s and, you know, the people that converted their children and all that kind of stuff. But we've seen a real shift from that. I've seen it my entire life. I was in college in the 70s, which is a very difficult time. Of course, the 60s in some ways were even worse where we had assassinations, riots at the Democratic National Convention. I think that the Jesus movement and the Catholic charismatic movement and other movements like that helped shift the country a little bit back in that era. And we need a real revival of religion now. And there are a lot of people that are saying that it will happen. I wonder sometimes how much of that is wishful thinking, because I come from a religious tradition that came out of revival. And I even remember as a child, the grown-ups always kind of longing for those revivals, and generally that meant extended meetings at the church where a lot of people were touched by the Holy Spirit and felt renewed and, you know, became good Christians. But you have to wonder sometimes how much really happened in the wider community. I'm old enough to remember prayer in schools here in the South. We used to pray the Lord's Prayer every day in our classroom. We would get some Bible stories. They didn't really amount to a whole lot. I mean, it wasn't like really great theological training, but at least it happened. We had the Ten Commandments in the schools, you know, but at the same time, we had segregation. I went to segregated schools. I moved to the South when I was 11, but I went to segregated schools for five years before they desegregated. I mean, they were very difficult times, and here in the South, at least, there was a lot of hypocrisy. People would go to church on Sunday and live like the devil the rest of the time, and of course, we see that today, but it seems like the whole culture is more hostile to the Lord, and it has kind of taken over the Democratic Party. Now, I used to be a Democrat, but the Democratic Party has shifted a whole lot, and the Republicans aren't a whole lot better. You know, they're not godly at all. It's just, who are our friends? And even as we look to Donald Trump, or as I look to Donald Trump, and as you know, I've written several books about him, he is not the answer either. We can't look to politicians. It's just that we have the rights in this country to put certain officials in place because they have a lot to do with how life is. You know, we have to pray for leaders. The Bible tells us to do that so we can live peaceful and godly lives. And right now, it's anything but peaceful, and most of the time is anything but godly. And it's just amazing how quickly things shift. I mean, who would have thought at the beginning of 2020 that we would have had an impeachment? Well, of course, it was already started back then. But as soon as the president was acquitted, then it was the whole thing with COVID. Most of us had never heard about COVID as late as New Year's. And now they've shut down the economy. Thankfully, it's starting to come back a little bit. And then these, you know, all this unrest is, you know, it's amazing that some of the same officials that said that you were being selfish and you were going to kill grandma if you went out on the streets without a face mask or whatever, didn't do social distancing, they don't seem to have any problem with all these thousands and thousands of protesters, most of them without face masks, and almost none of them at social distancing. And, you know, if anything, all these protests and stuff have kind of proven that at least the lockdown, the shutdown, whatever you call it, is sort of over because, you know, the officials, at least in the big cities, are not stopping it at all. 
So I wanted to get your thoughts about this, but I'm interjecting what I'm thinking. Do you agree with me or disagree with me? Well, I mean, I agree with, I agree with so much of what you have said. I mean, you know, Stephen, in the end of the day, those things that you've described that I described earlier are simply observations. They are, in fact, what's happening. I tend to be one who, when looking at circumstances, like to go to the root problem and see how we can define that problem and then look at the cause of that problem and then come with a solution. That's the way God's Word operates. That's the way that we have in normal times tended to operate. But I find that that's really not the case where we are now today. Most of those who occupy the gatekeeper positions of uh, the media or the political or whatever are not very clearly demonstrated, as far as I'm concerned, not overly interested in solving any problem. They believe their existence is there to continue unrest and to continue to keep people off balance and to keep them dependent on coming back for the latest headline news or coming back to government for what they can do, and that is to hand out other people's money, but not to solve a problem. And I think as we look around this country now, we have that uh, before us. There are precious few solutions to what we see on the streets relative to why is there rebellion. People aren't asking why. Why are they out doing this? Why are they out doing that? Or, you know, it's more of the what, and we try to shape the symptoms rather than coming to the cause. And I contend that at the root of our problem, whether it's the division, the broken families that we are seeing, the covetousness, the disregard for law and order, the rebellion to authority, however that may be, the uncivility just generally that we witness, in simple terms, it's because of sin. We live in a culture that's marked by sin and the pursuit of evil, but that's what God says. That is what a biblical worldview indicates. But we're in a culture, even in our own nation, where we're now down to the point that 3 to 4% approximately of the millennial age, less for Generation Z underneath of them, who have a biblical worldview. So we're coming at life, life and living, from a perspective that's now far different than any time in the history of our nation. We are not coming at times of challenge and difficulty saying, what does God say? A biblical worldview would say that God created, and God created perfect, and he created all human life sacred and equal in his sight. Well, if that were to be believed, we wouldn't have any problem with racism. If that would be truly believed, we wouldn't have the elite versus the masses that we see. But if we don't start right with God, we don't value life appropriately. And the reason we don't value life appropriately or view God the way we do is because there's a thing called sin. And that doesn't give hope. A sinful culture has no hope to it. The only thing that can change that is redemption through Jesus Christ, which is the other part of a biblical worldview. God is. God created. There was a sin, fall. Sin came into the world. But then there is redemption through Jesus Christ that is promised. Now, that's what gives hope. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the hope of this new world when our founders came. William Penn came here to Pennsylvania where I came from and established what he called here a holy experiment in self-government. 
the concept that you could follow God's word, put down his principles, holy part of it, and actually live without government having to tell you at the edge of a bayonet how to live. That was the experiment. Well, they put those down, Stephen. We followed, We had a nation sufficiently of the same mind that people were willing to embrace those views, that world view, and out of that came a nation that has brought us to this point. I think we've been moving on momentum of the previous generations, but now that's beginning to peter out. That's beginning to, the engine's beginning to stop, and the question is, can this engine be restarted with the same factors that got it going? That is God's supernatural divine blessing. Well, God's made it very clear that if you want my blessing, you've got to do it my way, which means individuals, we have to be accountable to God. We have to follow the Ten Commandments, God's moral law. That's what our founders said. That's what God says. Moms and dads, mom, fathers and mothers have to live together. They have to be faithful to each other. They have to raise their children up, and children have to honor their moms and dads. Sounds like the Ten Commandments, doesn't it? And, and when that is done, then God will bless that nation. So we're at that point where we have a nation with a very small percentage who believe that God even exists. And therefore, with a, such a small percentage, the logical question is, are there enough people who know where the solution is, God himself, and the problem that it is, sin, but that the solution can be redemption through Jesus Christ? That is what we need. That's called need for a revival, yes coming out of, arising out of repentance before God and an acknowledging of our sin and our falling short of his standards, doing that as individuals, doing that as families, and then communities, as a nation, that is what can turn around where we are. But short of that, short of that, there will be no turning around. If we do that, God can, in fact, he says, he will turn around and can heal our land. But we don't have five years to wait. We don't have a year to wait because every day that goes by, people in this country are making decisions every day. And those decisions, if they're not being made in light of obedience to what God says, saying he holds the answers, he alone can bring healing to our nation, the more days that go by where we do not do that makes it far more difficult for it to happen down the road. That's the reality. And why I say that? Because that's what God says. Amen. And in the two minutes we have left, what do you think is going to happen next with all this unrest, the protesting, which, of course, the First Amendment gives people the right to, uh, you know, march in the streets if they so choose. And, and people have done it, of course, many times. And the death of George Floyd, none of us uh, I was interviewed on the BBC last week, believe it or not, and I told them, no sane American approves of that. We are not divided on that. But it almost seems like the anarchists, Antifa and Black Lives Matter and others, have been waiting to take advantage of any unrest. And then the third group is the looters, people who just want to take advantage of the unrest to help themselves to you know, all the stuff that looters steal when they go into stores. And, you know, it gets all kind of mixed up, but there's three very different groups that we're dealing with with all of the unrest. What is going to happen, and how do you think that's going to affect the election that's coming up? Well, again, back to, I think, what we've been talking about, Stephen. We are at a choice. The choice alone 
that can heal the division that you described is Jesus Christ. Why do we say that? Because that's what the Word of God says. Civil freedom, which people talk about, civil freedom can only happen following the experience of spiritual freedom in Jesus Christ. Frankly, we're all in bondage. We are all sinners. We're all condemned because we have fallen short of the glory of God. Until we have been set free from our sin with spiritual freedom, we will not have the wisdom nor the ability to pull together and to reclaim what we are now losing in our civil freedom. That's what the Bible says. That's what our founding fathers said and believed. And that's what our founding pastors, as I called them, preached clearly from the pulpits of early America. This is what we need. If we do not pursue a cure, this virus called sin will kill the patient, and that patient is freedom. We will lose our freedom if we don't get the cure, and that cure is Jesus Christ. We have to be bold enough to state it, state it with love, but state it with confidence, because therein is the answer. As we wrap up, I want people to be able to connect with you. There is so much more of your story about how you were elected to uh, the state house there in Pennsylvania, how you started the American Pastors Network and so forth. How could people get hold of you? How can they find out more about your ministry and also your radio show that you do? How can people find that? Stephen, they can go to our website at AmericanPastorsNetwork.net, AmericanPastorsNetwork.net, or even more information about the radio and TV program called Stand in the Gap would be on StandInTheGapMedia.org. So either one, StandInTheGapMedia.org or AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. Well, I'm going to thank you on a personal basis for all you do for our country, for the body of Christ the way you have been a stalwart example of a Christian man who is clear thinking, at least uh, you seem to be a, a clear thinker and have a biblical worldview. I just hope that you will inspire many, many others to do the same. We need everyone in the body of Christ to wake up and to do what we need to do to be genuine followers of Jesus, to repent of the sin in our own lives, to realize that we are constantly attacked. In fact, I believe that a lot of this unrest, you can only explain in spiritual terms. It's a spiritual warfare. And of course, we've talked about those things on other podcasts and in books we've published. And of course, there are a lot of ministries saying the same thing. But I just have come to admire you from a distance and the reputation that you have and all that you stand for. So thank you for taking time to be on my podcast today. I'll give you the last word, and then after this segment ends, I'll come back and say something to my listeners. Well, thank you, Stephen. Um, it's a pleasure to be on here as well, and it's always a pleasure, as what our program is called, Stand in the Gap. I think that's what we are called to do in these days, to stand in the gap for truth. The truth of God's Word is powerful if we but are willing to embrace it and to live it. Let me add a little bit to my talk with Sam Rohrer to talk to you about my book, or books, since I've written several about Donald Trump, the latest being 
God, Trump, and the 2020 election, which I believe is the most important, is what's at stake for Christians if he loses. Then I wrote a sequel, God, Trump, and COVID-19, about how that will affect the election. And in there, I have a chapter called, It's Not About Trump. And I really believe that. I have utmost respect for President Trump and think he's a strong leader. I make these points, of course. But, you know, he's a human being, a flawed human being like the rest of us. But he is our champion. He does stand for these kind of values that Sam and I were talking about. And I think that Christians need to wake up, see what's going on, even the whole mess with COVID-19, where a lot of these mayors and governors seem just too happy to shut down the church. Isn't it interesting? You can't be around other people at church, but boy, if you're protesting in the streets and maybe even worse, uh, somehow that's okay. You know, pastors were literally arrested, a few of them, for having church. We documented that on Charisma News and also on my podcast, on the Charisma Podcast Network. You can go back and kind of look at the titles and figure out which ones they were. But a lot of these looters and anarchists are actually not being prosecuted. I mean, this is a very dangerous time in our country, and my writing these books was my attempt to try to wake up the church. They're available really wherever books are sold. The new one just got a big sale to uh, Walmart and BJ's and Sam's and some of those stores. Of course, the online booksellers have them. But I encourage you to go to my own site. It's called stevestrangbooks.com. That's my name, Steve Strang, and then the word books with an S, all pushed together like one word. And there you can get God, Trump, and COVID-19. You can get it in print or a digital version. Every book we sell on that site, I personally sign. A lot of people like to have an autographed copy from the author. So that's just a little extra reason to come to our website. And also there's different specials. You can buy the books in larger quantities at a really good savings. Uh, You can buy a couple of books together and get a savings. Uh, I don't have time to explain all that. But if you go to that website, you'll see it. And of course, Amazon.com and the other ones like it are a very easy way to buy as well. So I like to uh, share this with my listeners and also thank you for listening. If you could go to iTunes and leave me a review, that would be good. Or if you could go to Amazon.com and leave me a review for my books, if you've read them, I would appreciate that as well. And remember to share podcasts like this. That's why my numbers have gone up and up and up, because people share them We do publicize them. We put them out in uh, certain places, but there's no way we could, just through marketing, could we have the explosion that we've had on the Strang Report and my new one, God, Trump, and the 2020 election, as well as the whole Charisma Podcast Network, which is now up to 35 million downloads since we started just five years ago. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. Thank you for sharing my heart about what I think is going on in the country and about these books that I have written that I hope you enjoy reading. I believe that you'll learn a lot. I believe that it's a good read, and I hope that you read them and share them with friends. Thank you for listening today. I'm Stephen Strang. God bless you.